Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with a promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm John Siegley here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. And Don, the breaking news is that Carolina has announced head coach Larry Fedora will not be retained for the 2019 season. So UNC is officially going to be in a head coach search. Now we are recording this on Sunday the news kind of broke unofficially Saturday night with Greg Barnes, who provided the awesome scoop. And then UNC made the official announcement this morning. So we're trying to, to do this podcast a little bit early because, Don, man, tell the, the listeners what your day is basically going to be comprised of at this point. Well, a lot of it is going to be just reaching out to recruits in general to see what their reaction is. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of what my. Sundays usually kind of are um, occupied by anyway, but uh, yeah, this Sunday, I think the commits probably are going to be put center stage just because of the fact that they're going to be the ones that are obviously most affected. Uh, there's going to be a lot more, I guess, movement with those guys. On a typical Sunday, I might reach out to one or two just to kind of touch base with them, do an update sort of interview because I hadn't talked to them for a while or we hadn't gone on the record for a while, but uh, you know, you know, it's kind of the opposite on normal Sundays where the commits kind of are on the back burner and the uncommitted guys. So, so yeah, so I have a pretty busy weekend just kind of, or, or Sunday, I guess I should say, or a few, day, few days, just kind of seeing where what's uh, the thoughts of you know the recruits and particularly the commits and, and really what's going to happen. Because this, you know, one thing I think um, a lot of fans don't realize is that we're actually in the contact period, which means, you know, it's time for in-home visits and, uh, you know, particularly – um, head coach and home visits, which is, you know, uh, assistant coaches can go once a week per recruit, whereas head coaches only get once per cycle per recruit. So um, from my understanding, Fedora did have a bunch set up for this week. And it's going to be interesting to see how those are handled. I mean, someone will go in home with those recruits, but uh, and obviously wouldn't, won't, Fedora won't. But yeah, so there's a lot of things recruiting wise that this, this is, this is going to be um, impacting and that, going to be developing that we're going to be for sure following through the next I don't know however many weeks um, it takes so then let's go ahead and start talking about the the impact that this change could have on recruiting Don do you think that there could be some decommitments from from this class as we often see when a head coach is changed or do you think that maybe Carolina could actually maybe get a bump if a new head coach is named and some guys that may not have been interested in Carolina before all of a sudden lend them an ear. Which way do you think that, that this one could ultimately go? Well, I think it's it was going to depend on the situation. And really, it really comes down to when a new head coach is hired. If this drags out a long time and drags out to close to the December signing period, 
then that's going to affect things. Uh, at the very least, you're going to see commitments not signed just because they want to see who's going to be hired, who's going to be their position coach. Even if you hire a, a coach pretty quickly, I think you might still see some of that. Some some recruits still might be on the fence, wanting to get to know uh, the new head coach, wanting to get to see who he's going to be bringing in and, and all of that. So the head coach, that's the first domino that needs to fall to kind of figure out what's going to happen. Generally speaking, it wouldn't surprise me to see some decommits. I feel like this class in general is pretty firm, pretty solid. A lot of these guys have stuck on through some pretty um, tumultuous times, and I just expect them to kind of stick regardless. I think that the further you get away from Chapel Hill, meaning the the out-of-state guys, the the guys are really far away from Chapel Hill, those are probably the most likely to be pulled away from UNC. So we definitely have a lot of different things going on and definitely some, some things that need to be watched and observed. You know, I haven't spoken directly to any commits yet. I've spoken to a lot of parents over the weekend once kind of the news started to trickle out and got their reaction. There's a lot of concern and and just not knowing what to expect for you know with all the uncertainty and everything. You know, who do they talk to? You know, is this is this in home visit going to happen? You know, there's a big official visit weekend for December seventh. What happens with that? I mean, there's there's a lot of questions going on right now and. And hopefully in the next couple of days, we'll at least have an understanding of where things could potentially go. But we're still so early in, in the cycle for that. Well, let me ask you this. And, you know, it may sound crazy to, to our listeners, but Don, is it almost a miniature blessing in disguise or some silver lining that Carolina's class is so just low ranked right now that if some of these guys decommit, you know, it's not like Carolina has some super high-end four-star or five-star kid that this is now going to really rupture their recruiting. You know, these are guys that, like you said, they have stuck with Carolina through and through. I think it's fair to say that for a number of them, Carolina is is their best Division One or Power Five offer uh, that's, you know, especially committable at, at this point. So aside from like Sam Howell, which he did end up up taking the visit to Florida State. So who knows really where Carolina is in that recruitment right now? Is there really too much of a downside for for this year's recruiting class to make this change? Even though it is weird to kind of think about and, and to phrase it, I agree with you. I think that when I mean, whenever you make a coaching change, you're going to um, there's going to be some. I guess fight back within the the uh, commitment list. It's going to it's going to affect it, and so so you, that's just understood. You know what I mean. So if there ever was a year that UNC could, I guess, quote unquote, afford to do it, for lack of a better term, this would probably be the year. It would have been awful to do it last year because if you look at that class, it ended up being Fedora's best class, and a lot of those guys would not have ended up at UNC. UNC would not have gotten. William Barge would not have gotten Antoine Green, and, then, and I'm sure there's a couple others also. Um, so, but for this class, you look at it and you're like, okay, you don't want to lose any of them. I think, even though they're all three stars, I think the majority of them have something that can contribute to UNC's football program, regardless of what the rankings say. Um, if you just watch their film, you can kind of see where they could fit into a program. With that said, if you lost one or two, it's not going to just completely just break the program and set it back. They'll be able to get someone who should be comparable, if not better, 
you know, depending on how things kind of roll with with uh, uh, the recruiting cycle. Because the the thing is, is that this is not. It would be so different if it was five years ago. Because yeah. we, you know, with the early signing period, and you and I talked about this before, but the early signing period just really kind of throws a huge wrench in it because your pool of potential um, targets is going to shrink tremendously beginning on December 19th when, when all those um, guys start to sign. And you're not able to, you know, kind of pluck guys away from um, ECU or, or a group of five school, you know, a kid who, and everyone looks at that and says, "Oh my God, that's awful!" For you know that we have to pull a guy from there, but that's that's how it is. You when you when you miss a guy, when Alabama misses a guy, they're not going to steal them from Auburn. They're going to steal them from North Carolina or you know those 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 next tier of uh, Power Five schools. And it's just the way the food chain kind of works. So anyway, um, because of the early signing period, those guys are going to be locked up after December nineteenth, and so UNC actually has to go another level down to get a guy, unless someone just kind of falls through the cracks for whatever reason. And that, that did happen some last year. Um, so you can hope for that, but you just can't um, rely on that. So yeah, but get back to your original question. Yeah. I mean, this is the class, if you were going to make a coaching change and if you were to look through the past seven years with you having Fedora, this is the class that is, I guess the, the, the easiest to kind of swallow as far as uh, recruiting implications. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, let's continue this discussion. So we'll be right back after this. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Heels Travel. They are a valued IC podcast sponsor. And earlier in the year, they received rave reviews for their travel package for the UNC versus Cal game earlier in the fall. If you missed out on that one, you still have the chance to book your package with Heels Travel because they are selling one to go see Carolina take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago on December 22nd. To book that package, you can call 336-855-0060 to book, or you can visit HeelsTravel.com. Now, that trip includes round-trip airfare from RDU to Chicago's O'Hare Airport, transportation to and from the airport, and a two-night stay in the Omni Chicago. It's right on Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, and it's also the same hotel where the basketball team is going to be staying. That's a pretty cool experience for you and the family. So that price and inclusions are offering at the Omni Chicago are even less than if you booked it directly. It's going to be a great chance to see your Tar Heels take on an opponent on a big stage and explore a great city right around Christmas time. So again, call 336-855-0060 to book or visit HeelsTravel.com. That's 336-855-0060 or visit HeelsTravel.com to book today. We are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. So, Don, before we, we left for break, we were talking about this year's class and timing when it comes to replacing a, a head coach. And, I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. I think with the December signing period, it could end up being a little bit of a signpost to UNC's next head coach as to which recruits are realistically going to be gets for the Tar Heels because, you know, if Carolina makes a a head coach hire before December 19th and that coach reaches out and all of a sudden some uh, commits do not sign on that day, then I think, you know, that will provide kind of a, hey, these guys are legitimately interested in Carolina. 
likewise, on the flip side, if, like you said, everybody signs, then the new head coach is going to have their work really cut out for them to try to go find somebody in the pool of uncommitted guys. But, you know, we'll see how, how that goes. But, you know, do you, do you think that, say, if Carolina makes a hire within a week, mm-hmm. do you think that that realistically is enough time for a new coach to get out there to some uncommitted guys before December 19th and try to persuade them to wait until the February signing period? <sighs> um, it's really going to depend on what, what recruits you're talking about. And I know people hate when I give that answer, but, you know, it's hard to, you know, uh, humans are way more complex, especially a high school student, way more complex to kind of paint them all with one single brush. I think it's going to depend on their situation, you know, um, what schools are looking at, how comfortable they feel with those schools. I think for North Carolina, the first step is obviously, as we said, get a head coach. The second step is for that head coach to solidify this class. And, and regardless of how you feel about this class, you want this to be your basis. You really do, because you're not going to be, you can't start from scratch. There's just, there's not enough time. And then after the December, December signing period, it's, you know, that pool shrinks so much. So you want this to be your basis. I mean, obviously there's certain, certain, some guys who it's okay if they go, as we talked about, but for the most part, you want this to stay intact. And that's going to be, that's going to be goal number one. And I guess goal, that's goal one, a goal one B is to reach out to Sam Howe. Yeah. Because from, from what I heard is that really, if, they felt like Fedora was going to be safe. And obviously we knew that wasn't the case and that, you know, isn't the case. They would have probably flipped last week, if not sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but that obviously was a concern of theirs and, and rightfully so, you know, you want to know who your head coach is going to be. You're the quarterback. You want to know what sort of system you're going to be running and that sort of thing. So one B is to reach out to Sam Howe and to do everything you can to lock him down. He has already taken official visits. You know, the fact that it's, that you are an in-state school, make it easy for him to return and, and spend some time with the new staff. You can let him in on, you know, what you're going to be doing as far as, you know, the scheme and everything, what, what coaches you plan on bringing in, even if you haven't been able to officially hire them and that sort of thing. I remember when we went through this uh, a coaching change way back uh, when Butch Davis was hired. And if you remember, that was the class that had Mike Paulus. Mike Paulus had actually committed to John Bunning and stuck with UNC uh, under Butch Davis. And so uh, Paulus was actually privy to a lot of information that the other, other recruits and really the public in general weren't really privy to because he was, you know, the quarterback. Not only was a quarterback, he was a four-star guy that that um, everybody thought was going to be, I guess, the the face of the program for years to come that ended up not happening. But my point is, is that, is that they made sure he was in tune with everything, knew what was going to happen, knew who was high, who was going to be hired, made sure he was one of the first guys that, uh, that the coaching staff visited. You know, I think they, God, I'm going off of memory. So um, bear with me if any of this is incorrect. I think Steve Hagan actually went up there. Uh, He was one of the first hires of Butch Davis. So he went up there, spent some time with, with Mike. And then once, um, once they kind of figure out the quarterback coach situation, which was which was uh, John Shoup, he went up there. Um, Butch was always contacting Paulus. Paulus was actually helping recruit. I think if a sim- similar situation plays out with Sam Howe, and obviously time is of the essence. The sooner you can get this head coach in, the better. 
then you really have a legitimate – if you can get a coach locked in early this week, you have a really good chance of uh, flipping Sam Hale. I'm not guaranteeing anything because he's still committed to Florida State. But from everything I heard, the official visit did not – his. I'm talking about his Florida State official visit – did not lock him into Florida State. And, you know, he's primed for the picking. You're just going to have to make sure you have the – the, the timing right and the right guy to uh, to make sure that he's he's locked in. And Howell is the type of recruit that can really basically flip a an entire class because quarterback is the most important position on the football field. I mean, that's the, the, it in current football at the college level, at the pro level. It's just a fact. I mean, look at UNC this year with the struggles that the Tar Heels had at quarterback and you know, Carolina would probably have several more wins and Larry Fedora probably would not be fired if UNC had a little bit better at that position. So I think I agree with you entirely, Don, that he is the single recruit that you have to prioritize because even if the rest of the class does end up being somewhere in the 50s or the 60s, you know, it's my opinion that that your average D1 or I keep on saying D1 at a power five school you know, can survive one bad class like that. It's yeah, going absolutely. to, yeah, it's going to cause some depth issues, of course, mm-hmm. but one is survivable. What you mm-hmm. can't do is have two, because mm-hmm. then if you have those depth issues in back to back years, you're talking about missing out on basically an entire crop of, uh, of juniors and seniors or redshirt seniors and and seniors and those are normally the backbone so let me get your thoughts and the other thing um before you complete your thought um and i probably should brought this up earlier it makes it a whole lot easier to have a quote-unquote bad class with this class when you had such a great class with last class and and you look at the fact that you have guys like uh, javante williams who's playing a lot um trey morrison uh, uh, Bryson Richardson, Diami Brown. Brown. You had mm-hmm. Antoine Green, who was playing a lot until he got hurt, and William Barnes, who I, I believe would have played a whole lot more if he because he he played the first two games, then got hurt, and then I think he only played the Western Carolina game after that. I really believe he doesn't get that injury that he plays a lot this year. So you got a lot of really good players that really aren't going to be bypassed by whoever's coming in because they're so good. So I think that helps kind of, I guess, cover up this class's problems. But anyway, go, go ahead, finish your thought. Yeah, well, and it, that's a, an excellent point on that. I hadn't really thought of it and wasn't going to get into, but it, you know, hearing it, yeah, I completely agree. What I was going to say is let me get your thoughts on one coaching prospect that uh, our good friend, Buck Sanders actually wrote about on his uh, the Buck Stops here column, and that is Mac Brown. He is a name that has been brought up on the message board a lot, and opinion seems pretty divided. You mentioned Butch Davis, and you know when he came to Carolina, he brought a certain level of clout with him because mm-hmm. he was a nationally known name. Now. You know, I think Mac Brown is still a nationally known name. He won a national title at Texas, but he's been out of the coaching game for a long time. And given his age, I think if, you know, Mac was going to return to Chapel Hill, it would be only for a handful of years. 
and there would be kind of that designated head coach in waiting. Do you think that such a uh, an arrangement like that, Don, with Mac and the head coach in, in waiting, do you think that that would be beneficial to recruiting? Or do you think that there's kind of a little bit of a generational maybe thing between guys that of uh, coaches that, that are a little bit on the on the older side, like, like Mac, and maybe someone that's younger, uh, like maybe Satterfield at App State or um, Brown over there at JMU. Well, I think this is mostly a question for you know Greg and Buck, but you know, um, from I'll give the I guess the recruits' perspective. Uh-huh. Mac Brown won a national championship in what two thousand and five, right? Oh uh, four or oh five, yeah, one of those two years. I think I think you're right. I think oh five. So now let's look at how old were these recruits in two thousand five. They mm. they weren't old enough to remember it. No. So, <laughs> um, if they have any memory of Mac Brown, and my guess is that a lot of them probably don't. Um, it's going to be of the tail end of his Texas tenure, which isn't good. Um, so to me, I feel like if you bring in Mac Brown, that's to pacify the boosters and the older people who remember Mac Brown, the Mac Brown years and all this other stuff. I think he's like, he's in his late sixties. I think he's like 68, 67, something like that. Mm-hmm. So he's an older guy. I just don't see that relating to high school, high school kids. I think that if you do bring in Mac Brown, the way that I guess to kind of balance it is you need to make sure that you have younger coaches and you need to make sure that you have a young, a system that, that the players want to play in. If I remember from his uh, Texas years, you know, the problem was that they felt like he just, that football had passed him by, that he was doing a lot of older things that worked a long time ago, but weren't work, weren't working then. And I wonder if he, has learned from his ways. I mean, it's kind of like this. I feel like it's similar to Kansas hiring Les Miles. You know, I mean, is you know, did Mac did Mac Brown learn from his mistakes? He's also been away from the game, away from coaching for a while. I mean, I don't know. Um, I think though, if, if if that's what you want to do, if you want to bring in an old coach like that, he's not going to have the you know, he's not going to be the home run hit that um, for with the recruits. Now he will be with the boosters. But with the recruits, they're not going to know who Mac Brown is. They just they they just aren't. They're going to have to be told, yeah, he won a national championship at Texas in 2005, and for them, they're going to be like, oh my god. These so you're going to have to have a very young staff. You're going to have to have um, find some sort of innovative offensive coordinator who's they're going to bring the energy, and essentially you're going to have to have a staff set up where Mac Brown's kind of the CEO slash figurehead sort of situation where. The assistant coaches are really, you know, the grinders and are really the ones who are relating to the high school kids. All right. Let's take another quick commercial breakdown and then we get back. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a second. Are you heading to Chapel Hill for a basketball game? Stop by one of the Jersey Mike stores in and around the Chapel Hill to get a delicious sub sandwich. Now there are five locations to choose from. The best thing is that if you use the code HEELS15, you get 15% off of your online order. Now that is good for the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations. It's an online code only. So this is how it works. You go to jerseymikes.com slash order or use the Jersey Mike's app and click the location nearest to you. 
Choose your order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter HEELS15, and you get that 15% off of your whole order. You get to skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and then you're on your way. Do it today. Place an online order at one of the five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and Chatham County locations. It's a super easy process. Just remember the code HEELS15, order online, and pick up your sub. That's HEELS15. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan and wrapping up our discussion on the head coaching change and its impacts on recruiting. So, Don, I thought it'd be a little bit of a fun exercise here for us to talk about uh, who we thought the biggest or most important recruit that Larry Fedora landed during his tenure as UNC's head coach and then who we thought the biggest recruiting miss was over that same period. So let's start with the most important. And I'll go ahead and give mine, so that way I don't put you on the spot here, buddy. Now, for those listening, I have no idea what John's going to pick, and John has no idea who I'm going to pick. Yes, this is completely double-blind here. Yeah, yes, we might pick the same guy, but go ahead. Well, I'm going to go with Mitch Trubisky. That's my pick, too. Yeah. I kind of thought it would be going in. I mean, you know, sometimes, Don, we're on the the same wavelength. But I think with with Mitch, he is the most important and the biggest recruit. Now, I think it's interesting that you could make the case for Marquise Williams. And I thought about going with him. Marquise wasn't a Fedora pick, or he would be my pick. Well, but I thought that Fedora had to had to keep Marquise, but um, from, he was part he was part of the the twenty eleven class. Okay, so the year before. See, I thought yeah. that there was I thought there was some talk that that Marquise might have. I got his class wrong, and I also yeah. thought that thought that there was some talk that maybe he was going to um like switch or yeah with um, him in Virginia Tech. I um again, I'm going off memory, but that was during the time where um. The NCAA, NCAA stuff had just hit, and there was there was a bunch of rumors about what was going to happen to the coaching staff and everything like that. And as we know, nothing ended up happening until the following preseason. Um, but there was okay. rumors then, and um, that was the same class as like uh, TJ Thorpe, Eric Ebron, and the, the best thing that they had was all those guys were really really close together, you know, um, and and really tight, and that kind of helped keep those guys close but no i if fedora had recruited marquise that would have been my pick just because he played he was such a huge impact for more than just one season whereas trubisky basically was only impact for that one season and then i think that the credit then should go to everett withers i guess for keeping marquise on the unc commitment list until fedora did come in and ultimately became the the head coach but turning it, it back to mitch the reason why I think he is the, the the biggest and most important is because he's the number two pick in, in the NFL draft, and he had a really great career at Carolina. It, it, it was very interesting, and, and the debate still goes today is during that, that 2015 season, if Mitch had been named starter, would the Heels have won 11 games? Would they possibly you know, have gone undefeated? there's it's a very interesting topic I think but to me when you're talking about a number two overall pick a quarterback who who was there during UNC's most successful season and played an important role because he threw that that touchdown pass against Virginia Tech that 
may have been the margin in that game. I can't remember, but you know, he, he, he played no small role. And then in 2016, he came in won eight games kind of kept the momentum rolling a little bit there. And then number two in the draft to me, it's Mitch. What were you, what were your reasons, Don? Yeah, it's the same thing. I feel like he epitomized what UNC's offense could look like with a, um, a really good quarterback. I think when he was the quarterback of UNC's offense, it was at its peak, regardless of what the stats, I'm sure the stats kind of support that, but, but I think that, uh, yeah, cause he was everything that, that would, that throws offense needs, you know, an, an accurate, smart passer, a gamer. It's just unfortunate that uh, UNC only got to see that for one season. And really once he left program suffered. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like I said before, earlier, if uh, Marquise was probably, I feel like, more had a bigger imp- or long longer term impact, but he he wasn't a um a Larry Fedora signee, so he's ineligible. So <laughs> you want to go with your uh, your biggest miss? Well, actually, since I did did my biggest get, let me start with you for the biggest miss. Who did you have, Don? All right, so I'm going a little bit off script here, and because I feel like the biggest problem with UNC's with UNC the past couple seasons underneath Fedora is the lack of a legit quarterback after Mitch Trubisky left, as I mentioned earlier. And it just seemed like there just wasn't an answer. And, um, you know, Nathan Elliott just didn't have the arm. He has the intelligence, but just, you know, didn't have the arm, didn't have, you know, the accuracy, all that sort of stuff. Chaz Surratt had the mobility, but there was a lot of things missing in his game. And, you know, for me, the biggest miss is just in that in that 2015 class when they signed, they actually signed Nathan Elliott and, and Anthony Ratliff Williams as the quarterbacks for that class. Uh, there, were, there really wasn't a quarterback they truly missed. Um, but, you know, the funny name is one of the one of the quarterbacks who were offered one of the few other quarterbacks who were offered in that class was uh, Kelly Bryant, believe it or not. And he actually ended up visiting UNC, but nothing ever came of that until obviously later on when he left Clemson. Um, there's a couple other guys that they had offered. Uh, uh, Jalen Ratliff, I don't know if you remember um, him. I mean, obviously he um, uh, he was a guy who grew up a big UNC fan. UNC had offered him, but kind of sort of pulled the offer. He ended up committing to Georgia Tech and then suffered a uh, really bad uh, head injury um, while riding four-wheelers. And so I, uh, Georgia Tech did honor his scholarship, even though he never ended up playing for, um, for the Yellow Jackets, which is a, you know, that's a classy thing by um, Paul Johnson, who doesn't get a lot of credit for some of that stuff. So anyway, Jalen Ratliff would never have ended up playing for UNC, so I couldn't really go with him. And there was a couple of other guys that they had offered, but they, they got the commitments from Anthony Ratliff-Williams and um, Nathan Elliott so early on that they... Um, they never really had to offer a whole lot of guys. So I, I just feel like in that class, and I know this is kind of cheating, I just feel like in that class it would have been great for them to realize that, one, Ratliff Williams was not a college quarterback. And I think they kind of sort of knew that and knew that, hey, if he doesn't make it, you know, he's, he's a great athlete. Um, and then, two, realize that, you know, Nathan Elliott might not have what they need for the quarterback position. I, you know, I remember watching his film – and I saw a kid who made a lot of short throws and um, he got the ball out quickly, seemed to know where to go with the ball all the time. But 
I, I noticed that, that his film was void of any downfield throws, which to me was a huge red flag. And, and hopefully it was a red flag for uh, Keith Heckendorf. And, and hopefully he saw that and then had him throw in person to make sure he had the arm strength. Clearly he doesn't have the arm strength for the college level. Hopefully those sort of things were recognized. But yeah, I just feel like in that class, if they would have signed a quarterback who was at least serviceable, because this system has been able to allow serviceable quarterbacks to excel, but yeah. you have to have certain things. You have to have arm strength. You have to have accuracy. You have to be, you have to have the intelligence to run the system to make the reason, all that sort of stuff. If they're able to find that guy in this class, then UNC's record the past couple of years is a lot better, and Fedora is not fired. I mean, point blank right there. I absolutely agree with you, Don, and I don't think you can really argue otherwise. So my biggest recruiting miss is going to be Todd Gurley in Fedora's very first class. And I was debating going with possibly Dexter Lawrence here, but you know, Dexter Lawrence is one of those guys where I don't think Carolina was really going to be a true player in his recruitment, Don, and correct me if I'm wrong there, but I think he was always going to go to a bigger school football-wise than Carolina. I mean, I'll just have to you know, put it like that because he's a true five-star guy, and it was very, very disheartening to see him leave North Carolina but I just think realistically, UNC was not going to get him. But if they could have somehow managed to pull that, you're talking about the defense, which has been the Achilles heel of Larry Fedora's teams during his entire tenure, I believe. That is shored up significantly if you can throw Dexter Lawrence in along the defensive line. But in, got, in terms of players who I think Carolina did have a shot at, Gurley, by everything that I have heard, if Butch Davis had not been fired at the start of that season, Gurley was pretty much not a lock, but it felt like Carolina was the heavy odds-on favorites to land him. And as we've seen since Gurley has gone pro, he is an incredible running back. And even though UNC right now does have a very solid stable of running backs, and they also landed Elijah Hood, I think in the very next class, right, Don? In he was 2014, Gurley was okay. 2012, so there would have been a little bit of a um of a, a little bit of there. a gap there. Gotcha. But I think even as good as Elijah Hood was, and, and you actually said that in high school, you thought Hood was the best running back that that you've seen. For whatever reason, I think Gurley would have done better in Carolina's system than Elijah. I think Gurley is basically an improved Gio Bernard in terms of what I think he could have done. And I know that that's crazy to almost hear, but I just, Gurley in, in Carolina's system would have been amazing to see. And I think that it would have really even put Carolina's offense more on the map. So that's why I think Gurley is my biggest miss. But I think overall, Don, when you're looking back, you know, Fedora was a solid recruiter for Carolina. 
his class last year was ahead of historical norms overall they were right in there between that you know upper 20s mid 30s range and the next coach i hope is a little bit more of a recruiter especially on the defensive side because to me don that's where i think carolina must improve their recruiting so let's wrap it up with there if you had to pick one area where you think carolina does need to recruit better moving forward is it the defense or is it somewhere else yeah i mean i i don't think there's any other answer but defense and and a lot of that was the way that unc's i guess underneath fedora the way the offense or the way that the football offense is set up is essentially two separate teams there was offense there was defense and now, obviously, offense is going to get the benefit of the doubt with a lot of different things when your head coach is, is basically the head of the offense. And on top of that, other than Tommy Thigpen, which only joined the staff less than a year ago, they really haven't had a whole lot of great defensive recruiters. Charlton Warren was really good, so that's that's one of them. Other than that, I mean, who was just the ace recruiter that was on the defensive side of the ball? They're just I can't think of any off the top of my head. I can't either. They, and they... We ran a story today. We ran a bunch of stories today. Um, just kind of, I guess, going through just certain things of for um, you know, Larry Fedora's tenure. And one of them was the one I was directly involved with for obvious reasons is the top 10 recruits that Fedora signed. And only three of them were defensive players, which I think that that kind of encapsulizes just UNC recruiting under, under Larry Fedora. Yeah, it does, and we will see how that changes moving forward. Don, I'm assuming that you will be pumping out story after story on the Tar Pit Premium Message Board over the next few days and probably the the next week or so. So for everyone who's wanting to hear how UNC's current commits are taking this news, you will want to be sticking to the Inside Carolina Premium Tar Pit Message Board. Don, we'll go ahead and call this one a wrap, man. Thanks a lot, and hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Absolutely. You too. Enjoy football, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.